Praise God. Well, last week we talked about uh, being full of the Spirit, talking about, we called it full of the Spirit. And um, if you missed that, you can go back and listen to those. Just talking about, uh, well, let's look at Ephesians 5, 17, just talking about uh, staying full of the Spirit and what that means. And we're going to talk about some things related to that. What does that mean? You know, that can be sound like a religious term. You know, what can sound like, woo. Holy Spirit, what does that mean? Ephesians 5, 17 says, uh, let's just skip to um, verse 18, actually. It says, Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So there it says, being filled with the Spirit. We talked about that in a number of places and went through the Scriptures um, looking at that. Look at Acts 4.29. This is when the, the disciples had gathered together when uh, Peter and John had, there's a, a man that was by the gate that got healed and then they got persecuted for it. And so then they were gathering back to their own company and so they're praying together, all the disciples, all the uh, followers of Jesus at this point. Verse 29 says, Now look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. So they're praying. By stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with all boldness. So notice they were, they gathered together, they were in one uh, accord, they're asking uh, the Lord, with all boldness they may speak the word, and it says then they were all filled with the Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. And so we talked about a couple of things, we're going to go uh, a little bit deeper in, in one facet today, but we were talking about being filled with the Spirit and being full of the Spirit and what that looks like and all you see here, they were filled with boldness. You see where Stephen and the other men, they, it says they, they, they chose men that were full of the Spirit, that were full of faith in the Spirit to, to serve. So they were able to serve. And they, we see that people were encouraged and built up. So there's something about being filled with the Spirit or full of the Spirit and staying full of the Spirit. And we talked about that. You need, no matter what you're doing in the body of Christ, no matter what you're doing in the church, you need to be full of the Spirit to be able to do it effectively. And so we talked about that, but we also talked about then in relation, because um, just to clarify this, so there is a filling of the Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and the initial evidence of that, there is an experience in the Bible, and we're going to speak, we're going to talk about that some today, and we talked about it last week, but in relation, there is a, a, a baptism of, of the Holy Spirit being filled with the Spirit, and the initial evidence of that is speaking in other tongues. Okay, and then it, the Bible refers to being full of the Spirit. One of the ways you stay full of the Spirit is by exercising that gift. But that's not the only thing. That's not just when it's saying filled with the Spirit here, it's not meaning that they're initially being filled again. It means they're being just filled up again. But one of the th ways you can stay filled up is by exercising that gift. And so we're going to talk about that some today, just in more depth. We did talk about it some, but we're going to um, talk about it in more depth. And 
you know, I just want to say from the outset, this, we're going to see from Scripture. We're going to look at the Bible, okay, what the Bible has to say, not doctrine, not just church teaching or some man's idea, but what does the Bible say about these things? Because, uh, I mean, I don't know, in, the, in 2023 in the U.S., uh, you know, people have all kinds of ideas when they hear speaking in other tongues and filled with the Spirit. Well, that's because, yeah, sure, there's been some weird stuff that's happened, and people can get weird with things, but that doesn't deal, you know, in excess. But that doesn't do away with the real. I don't know about you, but I want the real. Do you, how many of you are hungry for God? That you want more God? You want, yeah, I know the young people of this generation, they don't want to see something fake. I mean, the, the young people, this generation coming up, uh, all of us older people should be this way. But one thing you hear about the younger generation is they can see through something fake right away, and they don't want to have anything to do with that. You with me? I don't know about you, but I want to see the supernatural in my life. I want the supernatural. When we're talking about relating to God, by definition, God is a supernatural being. He's past all of our understanding. He's past all of our logic. And he understands. When you say it like that, it's not like he's apart from it. God understands everything far more than we ever will. It's not that you shut off your brain so you can deal with God. If you knew what God knows, everything that he does is perfectly logical. It's not illogical. It's just that to our human mind and human understanding, we might not know some things, so it looks illogical. You follow me? You talk about being um, just an example. When you talk about being led by the Spirit, you could, you could use this example. If, if, some, if some group of people, let's say it was a military exercise, is working their way on the ground through their navigating terrain or they're navigating, they got to watch out for enemy um, places or whatever, but they have air support that can see everything. And they're telling them, you go left, you go right, you go this way. And the people on the ground could say, it doesn't look like there's any way through. That doesn't look like it makes any sense. Well, it might not make it look like it makes any sense from their perspective. But if you could see the whole picture, you would say, oh, yes, obviously, that's exactly where you want to go. Well, this way looks shorter. Yeah, but you don't see what's coming up over there. Okay, that's the way God operates outside of time. And he's infinitely powerful and infinitely logical. He's, he knows everything. He's everywhere at once. And so when we approach God and we're like, yeah, but I want to understand certain things, we're not going to be able to understand everything. That's why you take him at his word. He understands everything. And as you grow in him, you realize more and more he's right. He's right. He, and so that's why we have his word. So we know. So it's not somebody's uh, thinking. It's not somebody's philosophy. It's God. It's, it's his thoughts. It's his ways. And so um, as we're going into these things, we want the real. We want what the Bible says. And so as we approach these things, let the Bible speak for itself as we read. And so I believe as we're, because, because this experience, this is an experience separate from salvation, which we'll see. So you have the Holy, the Holy Spirit, 
resides in you if you're born again. If you, first of all, you need to call on Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Jesus died for the sins of mankind, and he is the way for us to be right with God. So you have to call on him. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, that's how you come to God. That's how you become right with God because Jesus is the, the payment, that the legal payment that was made for mankind. So you have to call on that. You have to say, yes, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. He rose from the dead. I come to him. I come to God based on that, not based on my good works, not based on what I've done right. But then there is an experience subsequent to salvation and is what we're talking about here. And we're going to see that from the Bible. And it is not optional. It's not like, oh, well, this group believes that that's good for them. Oh, it's okay. You know, you don't really need it. No, you will see Jesus said we need it. And he actually said, don't go start ministering without it, without the baptism in the spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He, he said, you need it. You need power. And so this isn't optional. If we're going to operate the way God wants us to operate as Christians, then we need to use the equipment that he gave us to use. How silly would it be if you're on a job or you're in a sporting event, and they, get, they issue you equipment to use, and you're like, well, I'm not going to use that. How effective are you being on your job? Well, it's going kind of rough. Are you using what we gave you? Well, no. Well, I didn't think I needed it. That's a problem. And if the head of the church says you need it, who are we to go, oh, well, I don't. And I, they're, they're, uh, there's a whole parts of, of Christianity that have left this behind and said we don't need it. The problem is what you see in the book of Acts and the supernatural occurring has a cor correlation with what we're talking about. And being filled with the Spirit and going forward in the power of God, not just in an intellectual power. So this is what we're going to cover um, and talk about some today. Um, praise the Lord. Let's go, let's go, uh, let's start in Mark. Let's skip down to Mark. We'll do it that way. Mark 16, verse 14. So this is Jesus speaking to the disciples. This is after he is, uh, Resurrected, he's come and sitting with them. It says, Later he appeared to the leaven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world. Now notice, notice these verses here. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. It says those that believe will do this. Notice, let's go back, um, let's go back to verse 17, beginning of it. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name. In my authority, they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So these things, as believers, is what Jesus said, this will happen. Notice there's, they will speak with new tongues there. 
Now let's go to Acts uh, 1 verse 4, and we're just going to go through some scriptures and um, look at what, what, the, what happened in Acts, what Jesus said, and then what happened in Acts concerning this. Acts 1 verse 4, it says, Being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Notice, being assembled together with them. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So they are born again. Jesus has risen. Jesus has already gone to the cross, and they believed on him. Now he's saying you wait for something else. Verse 6, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, now this is kind of a side issue, but they're asking him something. Lord, will you not at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So they thought he's going to set up the kingdom now. They didn't realize there was going to be some time before uh, the second coming. Verse 7, and he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Verse 8, but you shall receive power. Everybody say power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So he's saying, you wait. You wait. Wait till the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Wait for the promise of the Father when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Acts 2 verse 1 then. So now we're going to skip forward a little bit. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. That was 50 days later. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They were all with one accord. And if you look about who was with them, this is all the disciples. This is Mary, the mother of Jesus. This is every other disciple. This is everybody that believes on Jesus right now. They were all gathered in the upper room. So they, all those people had this experience then. Okay? about what we're about to, to see. It says they were all together in one place, and then suddenly there came from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and sat upon each one of them. So apparently there was a manifestation. There, there was sound like a rushing mighty wind, and then there was something that appeared like fire sitting on each one of them. Verse 4, and they were all filled, so this is the initial, this initial time, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and what? Began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So this is all the disciples. This is the whole church. And what did they do? They began to, to, to speak with other tongues. They were filled with the Spirit. They began to speak with other tongues. There is nobody at this point that's part of the church that's not, part, that's not here. That's, that's being filled and, do it in, in, and uh, engaging in this. So this isn't an isolated fringe thing. This is the church. And so we see this then. Then we're going to read some scriptures throughout Acts. We're going to look at the examples of when people were filled with the Spirit and what happened. We're going to let the Bible speak for itself on these things. Acts 8 verse 4. It 
It says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. Just, just stop here, though. Look at everything that's happening as they're preaching the gospel. This is what's supposed to happen. With the gospel, so this, this is a side thing, but this, it, these aren't fringe things either. Did you hear me? Unclean spirits, that, that's real. Crying with a loud voice came out of many who possessed and many who were paralyzed were healed. There were people healed. People, the paralyzed and lame were healed. That's all of God. There's people that teach, well, you know, healing isn't for today. Your body doesn't, that, that's not of God. The Bible doesn't say that. This is after Jesus has been resurrected. These are the disciples and, and the apostles going about preaching the gospel. And nothing in the Bible says this has stopped. There's nowhere that it says that this has stopped. So we continue on. If the Bible doesn't undo something, we don't have the authority to undo it. There are things that have ended. You know, and the, thank God we're not up here sacrificing animals this morning. I mean, I grew up in Nebraska, but it wasn't on a farm. And I didn't, I didn't have a lot of experience that, but that's just part of life. Somewhere, they, you know, somewhere the steak, you know, that, that, that you eat or, or the bacon or whatever, that came from an animal. And somehow, somewhere, they used to be alive and then they weren't. But thank God we're not doing it in church. There's some things that had ended. Jesus is the sacrifice for us. But there's a lot of things that they're going on. They're not ended. So we need to let the Bible speak for itself, not, not make up doctrine and say, well, you know, something passed away. Says who? We can't let our experience dictate what we believe about God. See, that's what's happened. That's what happens over time is over time, throughout the ages, you realize all the denominations. Some of you say, why are there so many denominations? i tell you why. Because there was a move of God, and whatever was happening mainline at that point wasn't receiving what was going on, and somebody got a hold of a new truth or saw something new, and yet the people that were already... Uh, in the church or whatever, wouldn't receive it, so they broke off, they started a new denomination. Sometimes it just happened because people had disagreements or whatever. But so many of the big things, there was something being added back to the church. It, was never, it never was a way, but people got a revelation, started to see that, that things were real, and people wouldn't accept it, so they went off and started something else. But the thing is, over time, that can wane. If people were on fire when they got a hold of it, but over time, it wanes. And so you're, they're not seeing things. And then people over time are just walking in religion. It's just, it's just religious ritual. And so then when people don't see what they see in the Bible happening, that you have two choices. We can say, I need to change. I'm not seeing something so I'm wrong. Or what religion does is like, well, that's just not for today. And they actually say God's wrong. It doesn't, it doesn't, um, it, it, this is not for today. The, the experience that they have 
if you don't have an ex if they don't have an experience, they judge God by their experience instead of letting the word of God judge our lives and judge what we're seeing. And so we don't want to let things wane. So verse 7 says, For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were, who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. Verse 8, And there was great joy in that city. Uh, verse 12, Acts 8, verse 12, Then to skip down, So Philip had come and preached the gospel to them, and they received it, obviously. There was great joy. But verse 12, when they believed, when they believed Philip as he was preaching these things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. So Philip preached Christ to them, and they believed and were baptized, so they were born again. They received Christ. Amen? So then if you go down a little bit further... It says, now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. So notice, these same people, they had received the word of God, they were born again, they, they received Christ, but then Peter and John came to them and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them, so this is separate from being born again. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of hands, this, this is a person that's, a little, that's off, but notice that he saw something, saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay my hands will receive the Holy, may receive the Holy Spirit. So you see, Peter and John came down after they had received the Word of God, after they had been born again, after they had believed on Jesus. Okay, so they were born again. Now Peter and John came and were ministering to them, and... The Holy Spirit, they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So then notice this. It says, when Simon saw that the lay, on the, by the laying of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. So here's a question. Here it doesn't say that they spoke with tongues, but it says they saw something. Simon saw something. What did he see? Well, we're going to see there's other verses. He saw something, so he saw there was something visible. In other words, it wasn't just, well, I'm, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, so that's it. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, so um, I just know I am. No, it, said there, it, it says that he saw something. And then, he's, then he's, he's trying to basically buy it. Now go to Acts 10 verse, uh, or 9 verse 10. So we're just looking at verses that show how the early church, how the Acts, uh, in Acts, people receive the Holy Spirit, and then what we're going to see is that either it directly says they spoke with other tongues, or it's implied that they did. Here, you don't see that it directly, that they did, but they saw something. And we're going to see that the other, other places it says they did, so it's not logically inconsistent to say that, uh, that that was the initial evidence there as well. Acts 9, verse 10 
It says there, when there was a, a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, uh, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to a street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him said, Brother saw the Lord Jesus who, has appeared to, uh, who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So here, Ananias was... He came and ministered to Saul, who was going to become Paul, who wrote most of our New Testament. And it says that Ananias came and he, he said, Brother, saw the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the Bible doesn't mention explicitly here that Paul spoke in tongues, but it is logical to believe that this is the point that he was filled. Because in 1 Corinthians 14, 8, or 18, I don't know if you can jump to that or I can just quote it. 1 Corinthians 14, 18 says, Paul, the one that wrote most of the New Testament, he said that he spoke with tongues more than you all. So Paul, we know that he, he was filled. We know Paul talks about, we're going to read some other scriptures, I believe, that he talks about being filled with the Spirit. He talks about the reality of it. He's the one that wrote most, uh, a majority of the, the epistles, that, the letters that we read. And he said, I speak with tongues more than you all. Well, here, back in Acts, it said that Ananias laid his hands on him, that he may receive his sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So at some point, he started speaking in other tongues. At some point, he was filled with the Spirit, which it says that was here. So it's not logically inconsistent to, to say that this is the point where he started speaking in other tongues. Because the, other, the first one we read, so, where the, the church was filled, said that they, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with tongues. Okay? So we're just going through uh, these different instances and just putting them together. Acts 10, verse 44. Acts 10, verse 44. Another example. While Peter was still speaking. Now, we're not, I, I'm giving you these, this, this proof, going through this, giving you Scripture so that we have something to believe. Because if it's just, you know, my, if I'm just up here talking, saying, oh, this is for today, this is something that we should do. We should speak with other tongues. It's just my opinion. You know as well as I do that there are so many opinions in the world, so many ideas, so many doctrines. And so if we just have another one where it's just like, well, it's just an opinion. It's just somebody's philosophy. It's just somebody's idea. It doesn't do anything. There's no power there. We want to know what the Bible says so we can believe it, so we can act on it, so we can walk in it. So Acts 10.44, go ahead and read Acts 10.44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Verse 45, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. 
Verse 46, and when they heard them speak with, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So the Holy Spirit, if you go back to verse 44, Peter was preaching the gospel to them. While he was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. And so those that were Jews, that, that's what of the circumcision means, who believed were astonished as they came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So these guys were hearing the gospel, they believed, and subsequently God just filled them. And so they spoke with other tongues. And so you see here it does say they were filled with the Spirit, it, doesn't, it says the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out with them, and they began to speak with other tongues. Now let's look at one more. Acts 19, verse 1. Acts 19, verse 1. It says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to them, we have not so much heard as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. Then uh, Paul said, John indeed baptized with baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is Jesus Christ. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul uh, laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So here, hands were laid on them, and they spoke with tongues. So you see direct correlation there. So in three of the five biblical instances of being filled with the Spirit, those receiving had hands laid on them. We saw that. And then of three of the five biblical instances with being filled with the Spirit, it explicitly, it explicitly says they were filled with the Spirit. And the other two, it doesn't say explicitly, but it's implied. With Paul, we know he spoke with other tongues, so it's logically consistent to say that, that, that that's the time that he, uh, that when Ananias prayed for him, that that's the time he was filled. And then the other time, when Peter and John came to pray, it doesn't say they spoke with tongues, but what it does say is that Simon saw something. So then you know that there's something physical going on. And so we see in the book of Acts that people were speaking with other tongues. We see that Paul continued to speak with other tongues. He said he spoke with other tongues more than you all. Now I want to go briefly over some other things that the Bible says about it. Why would you do this? Is this just some religious exercise? Is it just something that we make up just, let's just do it so that we can say, oh, I spoke with tongues. What does that mean? Let's go, if we go back up, we'll go to... Um, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. It's a lot closer to the beginning. It says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. This is the Apostle Paul speaking or writing this by the unction of the Holy Spirit, it says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. It says, For no one understands him. Well, that would include the person that's doing the speaking. 
He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. So speaking in a tongue is not speaking to somebody else. You're not trying to communicate. It's not a language that you're trying to communicate with somebody to get something across to them. You are doing it. You're speaking to God. You're speaking to Him. Well, there's all, these, there's all kinds of things that we don't understand with our mind. Speaking in tongues is a supernatural thing where you're speaking a language you don't know out of your heart, not, not articulating with your mind. It's not, you're not praying out of your head. You're not making the words up, trying to think it up. It's coming out of your heart, your spirit, the real you. So it's not surprising you don't understand it and God doesn't understand it. Are we looking at a, Bi a Bible verse? This is a Bible verse. This is the Bible. So this is what the Bible teaches us about this experience. It's not some, what some man is saying. It's not some you know, um, experience that somebody made up. It's what the Bible says. It says, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. You're praying, you're speaking out things that your mind can't comprehend. You're praying out things that your mind doesn't understand. But God understands, and he's giving you the ability to pray things out that you don't know with your mind, that you don't know um, physically, that you don't have knowledge of. But he, he is giving you the ability to, to pray things out that surpass our understanding. We don't know how to pray for everything as we ought. If we go the, the previous verse, go to Romans 8, verse 26. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helps with our weaknesses. In our weaknesses, we do not know what we should pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Another translation says, uttered with articulate speech. Now he who searches the hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit, knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So here it's saying we don't know what we should pray for as we ought, but God does. So what is going on? God gave us part of what is going on when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when we speak in other tongues, is God is helping you to pray things out that your mind doesn't know, that you may don't, you don't know about a circumstance, you don't know your future, you don't know what actually needs to happen in a situation, you may not know what needs to happen in your business or with what's coming down your path, but God does. So when we yield to Him, praying things out, out of our heart, we are yielding to God who's helping us to pray things that He knows about that we don't know about. I've heard so many testimonies over, over the years about things like that where somebody, they, they, they felt the prompting to pray in the Spirit. They didn't know. They, they, they were praying in the Spirit, and they, knew, they, they felt they were praying for somebody that was out of the country, and they were praying for somebody that was in danger, but they didn't know about it. They couldn't pray in English. They didn't know who they were praying for. And I'm thinking of, of one uh, incident in particular. There was a missionary that was in another country. They were in danger, and they, got, they, they were delivered from that danger. And somehow in a, a sequence of events later in a meeting, in a conference, 
this person was relating about them being in danger and when it was, and the person that had been praying and knew about them was in the audience, and they compared notes and realized they, that person was praying at the exact time this guy was going, or this person was going through the danger. And he was sensing he was praying for somebody, and that person was delivered. And so you can know, when you don't know what to do, when you don't know how to pray, you can pray things out in the Spirit, and you're actually praying out. The Bible says you're, you're, you're praying mysteries. If you can go back to 1 Corinthians 14, 2. That verse we just put up. It says, however, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries, not mysteries to God. God knows everything. But mysteries to you, mysteries to me, mysteries about what's going on in the future. You don't know everything. I don't know everything, but God does. So when you yield to him, he's given us ability to pray out things that are going to happen, pray out things that we don't know about, pray things for other people, pray things for the future of your family or of your business or whatever, pray things out before it happens. And what can happen, it says you're praying out mysteries. Those things then can come and uh, get over to your mind and you can un just bubble up. It can be a picture. It can be, you can see, you know, you're just in your mind, your imagination. You can see a scenario. It could be a, a word, a fact. But those things, God can get them over to you. But what you're doing is praying out things in the spirit that need to be prayed out that you're actually going to deal with in the future. So like with your family, you know, if you're a business, if you're in business or you're on a job, you could be, I did this all the time, you praying things out in the spirit, God can give you ideas. God can show you what to do in a scenario. He can show you how to solve a problem. If you're a student, he can help you to learn things. You say, the God, God hasn't left out the natural things. Whatever you need, you can be praying things out. You can be praying things out about a situation beforehand before you ever see uh, it come to, you know, you're actually walking in it. It's like laying track. Praying in, a, in the Spirit is like laying track that the train that you're in is going to run on. So it's like you're praying things out ahead of time so that you can go forward in it. You're praying things out that you don't know, but that God knows. And so this is vital. This is so important for us to be fully equipped to be yielding to what God has given us. It's not, we're not, if we're just limited by our natural understanding, our natural mind, we're going to be less effective in doing what God wants us to do. But if we'll yield, if we'll use the equipment that he's given us to do, to, um, to use, we're going to be effective. You pray, think, you, staying full of the spirit, we're going to read here in a moment, when you pray in other inner tongues, you are building yourself up. Let's look at that now. Now, before we go there, let's look at, um, let's just skip down. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14. Before we go, he says, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit is, uh, my spirit prays, but my understanding is fruitful, under, is unfruitful. When I pray, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. That's your mind. Okay, so follow me here. 
It is completely logical, serving an all-powerful, all-knowing God, who you, we are a, a three-part being, we're a spirit, we have a mind, and we live in a body. Your mind doesn't know everything. Well, everybody admit, we don't know everything. So it says your spirit is praying. So that's out of the part of you that's directly connected with God, your spirit's praying. But it says when you pray in a tongue, your spirit prays, but your mind is unfruitful. What does that mean? It doesn't know what's going on. It, it can think, this is stupid. Why are we doing this? You look at an Amplified Bible. It says, for if I pray in a tongue, I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays, but my mind is unproductive. It bears no fruit and helps nobody. This is the reason, is a reason, that if we are totally centered up in our mind and we don't understand, we don't just look at what the Bible says and we don't fall in line with the Bible and just say, God, I don't understand this, but I'm going to yield. I'm going to agree with this. If we're going by our head, our head's going to go, this is stupid. And if I hear a, a, a um, language that I don't understand, your mind can go, this is dumb. People are making that up. Why are they doing that? But it's no different than you hearing a language that you don't understand in the natural. Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it doesn't mean something. Doesn't mean it's, it's, it's made up. You'd be a fool to go to another country and hear them speaking language go, well, that's all made up. Yeah, and they're running their whole country based on communicating like this. Just because we don't understand it, we'd be stupid in the natural, and most people are not going to be that dumb to be like, oh, I don't understand a language in the natural, so it doesn't mean anything. You'd be, you'd be thinking that's a, that's a foolish person. But when it comes to spiritual things, the Bible is saying that we don't understand. And we understand, 2023, we understand that people will mock this. They'll make fun. They'll say, oh, that's weird. That's, oh, that's just, you're just babbling. The Bible says your mind is unfruitful. It's not going to understand. But just because we don't understand something, we're going to just toss it to the side and say, oh, that doesn't exist. How many things don't, do we not understand about God and about the supernatural? There are lots of stuff. I, we want to know and we want to walk in the supernatural things. Well, this is supernatural. And you're actually hooking up with your spirit. It says by the Holy Spirit you're praying, which means God is helping you to pray for something that's in the future or praying for something that is in the now that you don't know when your mind, it doesn't know about it, but God knows. So he's actually giving us a, a, a secret weapon or a, a, a powerful weapon to be able to pray things to bypass our limited understanding as a person. He knows everything, and he can't get everything over to your mind, but he can get it to your spirit, and you're praying things out in something you don't understand, but you're actually praying to God in a tongue that means something, and you're asking him for things that your mind doesn't know, which means it bypasses your understanding and allows you to walk in something far beyond what you know and understand. And that's why it's so powerful and important and when we talk about being filled with the spirit when you're praying when you're yielding to be in what we're talking about being full of the spirit one way to maintain that is to pray in other tongues and just because we've been filled with the spirit we can use that gift or not but when we do by definition you have to 
tune into your heart. You have to turn your mind off to some degree because to your mind, it sounds stupid. It sounds, it can sound weird. But like I've used this example, I used it last week and I'll, I'll say it because it makes a lot of sense to me. I have a background in software engineering. I was a software engineer uh, and software engineer man manager for over 20 years. And I can tell you all the applications, all the computer programming at the lowest level, it's all, it's all translated to ones and zeros. Transistors at the hardware level, it's either a, a voltage on or a, or a zero voltage, some voltage or zero. And that's what it all boils down to. And at the software level, everything is, is ones and zeros. But when you look at your phone, it doesn't have a wall of ones and zeros on it because you wouldn't understand that. It, it translates it into, you know, a, you know, a picture. If you look at, you know, you take a photo. All that is is a bunch of ones and zeros grouped to represent color and location, and it just puts it all together, and then the computer understands it as a picture. Your audio files are the same way. It's all really, though, ones and zeros. So, in other words, you can do anything and actually communicate anything with just a one and zero in different patterns. Well, if that's true, just because a, a, some a language or a tongue, it, it sounds weird, know that the simplest, uh, just going back and forth between ones and zeros, can do all the things that we're using at a, a high level with our phones and technology. So that means don't even worry about what the language uh, sounds like. Don't, don't think about that. Turn that off because you, you speaking... Uh, it could sound very simple. It doesn't matter what it sounds like. It matters that you're communicating with God and you can speak out things that your mind absolutely does not know. 1 Corinthians, just the next verse, just keep reading the next verse and then we're going to go to another thing. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15. It says, uh, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. He's saying, I'll pray this way with my Spirit, and I'll pray with my understanding. It's not either or, it's both. In other words, we can pray in English. We do pray in English. We pray with our understanding. When we know what the Word of God says, we pray it out. We don't have to. You know, you can pray in English in your known tongue. You can take the word of God. You can pray for things. You can pray for people. But then there also is you're praying past your understanding. You're worshiping God past your understanding. You're worshiping God out of your spirit. And when you do that, you're yielding to the spirit of God. You can pray led by the spirit in English, but you can also pray led by God, led by the spirit in other tongues. And it is throughout the word of God, and what that does is allow you to hook up with the mind of God past your mind. You pray for things that are coming up. You prepare yourself. And another thing that that does then is it builds you up on the inside. It, 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 it actually uh, gives you, fills you up spiritually. Let me read a couple verses to that effect. Jude 20. Jude 20. Next verse. Just skip, uh, skip a couple down. It says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. 
you beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Building up yourselves up means to build upon, to rear up. It, you're building yourself up when you're praying, it says, in the Holy Spirit. You're actually, it's like a battery. You're charging yourself. You talk about being filled with the Spirit. This is one way. You're filling, you're constantly keeping yourself ready to flow with the Spirit of God, ready to do what He's called you to do. Look at 1 Corinthians 14.4. 4. Next verse there. It says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. The edify there means to build up. Like a house builder, like, a, like you're charging a battery. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. It means you build yourself up. That means you're charging yourself. That means you're getting yourself ready. Not working something up, not trying hard to, to get something in place, but you're actually yielding to the Spirit of God. Praise God. You're yielding to Him. You're yielding. You're, you're connected with the Holy Spirit. You have to shut your mind off so you're connected with your heart. And so you can be, some, if you're ever feeling, you can, be, you can be worn down naturally. You can be just tired. But you can also be worn down spiritually. If you're feeling like dry spiritually, what you need to do? Speak in other tongues. Pray in the Spirit. And as you do, that's actually like charging your battery. Pray things out. Pray when you're getting ready for, you know, for something. But pray in the Spirit about something. God will give you wisdom and direction and guidance to do things in the natural. It's not just a spiritual exercise that has no bearing on the natural. You praying in the Spirit will give... You, you can pray in the Spirit and you can get the interpretation of that or what you're actually praying out... It can be an impression. You praying things out about something in business. I've done that so many times when I was working as an engineer. I'd just be praying about certain things in the background while I'm working. And God can give you ideas. He can give you solutions. He can show you what to do. It can be an idea to your mind. It can be just you see. You see a drawing. You see how the code works. You have an idea about, wait a minute, there's this. That's how this, you know, when I'm, I, I would be debugging software problems and I look at it and go I have no earthly idea how to solve this I see this thing happening and it happens every once in a while and you can't even repeat it I don't even know where to begin it could be any number of places and one thing you can do God knows is completely practical this is not an impractical, spiritual, woo-woo thing. This, if God knows what we need and you don't know, this applies to any area. Yeah. You have an idea. You don't know how to solve a problem. You know, in an organization, you don't know how to solve a problem in a relationship. You don't know what's going on. You know you're dealing with something, you know, um, physically or whatever. God knows exactly what needs to happen. What do you need? You need the leading in the mind of God on it. And so one thing you can do is you, your mind, it doesn't know anything more than it knows. It's hit a brick wall. You don't know what to do. God knows what to do. Someone, a pastor uh, once said this. He said, uh, when you don't know what to do, you know what to do. And he's talking about this. You start spraying. You pray in the spirit. What are you doing? The Holy Spirit is helping you to pray. You're hooking up with your spirit. You're praying out mysteries. You're praying out things, the future, and you're praying out ideas, and then you're like, this. 
I, there, I can try this. And I, I've seen that happen so many times when I was working as an engineer and as a manager. How, which, which path should we take? I remember there was one thing that we were dealing with, and I had the, the people on my team looking, kind of doing. We, were, we, were, uh, we had uh, software that had been around for a long time, and we're kind of redoing some of it. And it's going to take a lot of investment. So we can, we can redo it one of two ways. We can use this back end piece this way and this front end piece this other way. Or we can do vice versa. Use this front end out of this one place and a different back end. And both of them are going to take a lot of money and a lot of investment. And I, I don't know which way is the best way. And frankly, you don't, until you really get into a project, you may not know. So I need to know some information before we spend all the money. And so I have them do the natural stuff. I had them look and, 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 and look at these things, but I was also praying, Lord, show, show us which way to do it. And then I'm just praying out in the spirit, which way seems right. You can do this with any area, decisions, where you're going to go to school, you know, where you're going to move, what job you're going to take, who you're going to marry. Does it seem right on the inside? So I'm praying things out. I'm praying it out. And then it got impression. I think this is the way we should go. This is the way we should go. Now, I'm not overriding the guys that, uh, uh, that are giving the information, but as the information was go coming up, that was bearing witness that this is the way we should go. Let's do it that way. And it ended up being, as we went out, it was the most efficient way to do it because the other way would have gotten a lot of technical issues that we would have ran into. We realized this other thing was going to be much more efficient. It was going to be faster performance-wise, and so we just worked through it like that way. But God is infinitely, he's practical. Yes. This is not an impractical thing. This is something we can apply all the time. You come into a situation where you don't know, you need favor. You can be praying in the spirit before that, so you get in that situation, you're already praying things out that need to happen. You're praying things out that you didn't know you were praying, but the things that needed to be, you don't know what to pray because you don't know what's going to happen, but you're praying things out that need to happen that are already in place then when you go through that situation. And then you can be, you're building yourself up, you're ready. Give you one more example. Brother Hagen gave an example of he was praying. There's one day he was just praying in the spirit. Pray, like he was just going about his business. He's washing the dishes, helping his wife wash the dishes, clean up. He said, you know, she made breakfast, so his job, he would clean up and wash the dishes. He was going into town to do some errands. And he just thought, he was just praying in the spirit as he was going through this. Because you can do that. While you're going through tasks, you can be praying in the spirit. And he was going through doing this, and he felt like, Man, we're going to have a great, this was on a Saturday, we're going to have a great service tomorrow. Boy, I'm just feeling like it's just, I'm getting a, you know, it's like you're winding a spring for something to happen. But he's just going through and not knowing. He's just like, boy, I'm, I'm really praying a lot for, I don't know what's going on. Well, then somebody, I believe, they either asked him to go over or they knocked on his door. I don't know if they, they asked him to come and he went. And they were dealing with a lady that was, she, she was, she had a demon. She was there was a, a mental situation, but he saw that that's what was going on, and he was able to get her delivered, but he knew this is what I've been ready for. This is what he was able to buy. I was a word of wisdom or word of knowledge came forth, and he was able to help and get that lady. This lady was supposed to go to the insane asylum. 
and she was delivered and she was set free and her mind was fine. But that's what she, he goes, okay, this is what I've been praying for. And he knew, and I won't go into that details of that story, but we're, we're ready for whatever happens. We're ready for whatever we need. We're staying full. We're staying ready. And God will help us as we do it. But it's not something that we should go in our natural mind, oh, I don't need that. Oh, God, Jesus, I want you, but you know what, that, I just, I'm going to lay that aside. I don't need it. If the Word of God tells us that we have equipment, if the Word of God tells us, if Jesus told the initial disciples, you stay here until you get it, then who are we to say, oh, no, I don't want it. You know, 2023, no, I don't believe in that. We're, see, we don't have an option to go before God and pick and choose what we want to believe. We believe what the Word says. And if God says we need it, even if we don't understand it, we ought to be like, yes, sir, I need that. I, I know I need it, and you may not, we may not even know what we're missing out on, but as we get it, we're like, oh, oh, okay. And you're like, somebody said, I know what it's like to be not filled with the Spirit. I know what it's like to be filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit's better. Amen. Amen.